Welcome to Party Like a Marketer, the podcast dedicated to cannabis marketing, public relations, and authentic storytelling. I'm your host, Lisa Buffo, the founder and CEO of the Cannabis Marketing Association. Whether you're new to this space, an experienced professional, or simply someone who is driven by curiosity, Party Like a Marketer has something to offer everyone, and we're so glad you're here. Today's conversation takes cannabis marketing to a new level and addresses the importance of acknowledging and exploring marketing's influence in a rapidly growing industry. This episode features Rue Johnson, a cannabis and music industry brand operative based in Denver, Colorado. Her company, Rue Black Consulting, works with people, places, and things to expand their consumer demographic using marketing, media strategy, and campaign development. Johnson believes the most effective way to market and work with the cannabis space is consistency, coupled with exciting components of promotion through an equity lens. Welcome everybody to season two of Party Like a Marketer, the cannabis marketing podcast where we tell stories of marketing leaders in the industry and tease out best practices for emerging brands and businesses in the space. Today we have Rue Johnson, who's the founder of Rue Black Consulting and a marketing mastermind who also works with many other businesses in the space. And Rue, thank you so much for coming today. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a great opportunity to chat it up with you and the friends at CMA. So I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, how you got started in marketing, how you got started in cannabis, and then we'll kind of jump into the the questions. Absolutely. Um, So my name is Rue Johnson and I live in Denver. I'm based in Denver, originally from the East Coast. And um, my sort of my vision and my excitement and my passion really lies in the arts. And so what started happening when I lived in Denver is that I was... um, working for a newspaper, essentially a local paper. And I was covering like music and arts and all kinds of really amazing creative things that were happening in Denver. But right around the time that I moved here, I would say maybe three or four years after is when Amendment 64 passed and legalization changed the game. So what I realized is that kind of in between um, my love and excitement of music and arts, I found that cannabis and music, of course, are like first cousins, right? Like they come together and then that's where the party starts. So I was really able to flex some of my skills in marketing and development and creative development by working with artists and cannabis brands to bring them together to create something that's impactful for both communities communities and that can really heighten um, what's happening in Denver and it really just led me on a really incredible path to work with a lot of dynamic folks and also to work in the industry um, from like an ancillary perspective you know like working in marketing I don't necessarily touch the actual plant you know but it really still allowed me to see of course the benefits of it and the way that it truly impacts our culture. Absolutely yeah I, I cannabis and music are I, I would even put them as brother and sisters where they're such a good pair. Um, it's, it's such a natural fit. So that's, that's a really cool start. Um, okay, so let's get started. So what are some lessons you've learned in the cannabis marketing space? All right, so it's interesting because um, people think of cannabis in some places. So for a lot of people who might be really actively involved in the industry or even just in the culture of cannabis, they're like, oh, it's like 
you know, it's very simple. We smoke weed and, you know, we can talk about all the aspects of, of the herb and of the culture and whatever. But for people outside of like our community, like people like you and I, and those who might be listening to this podcast, there is still a really interesting stigma around people who use cannabis and uh, dispelling certain myths around uh, creating um, just a, a really straightforward, truthful conversations about how we use the plant. So I had to learn that right away in any kind of marketing space, it's important to know your audience. And so because I live in Denver, it's like, oh, like, you know, it's 420 every day. Like we smoke, it's, you know, you don't have to go through the process of explaining the parts about good cannabis, right? But if I'm talking to someone who lives in like Alabama or who lives in North Carolina or who lives in Oklahoma, um, you really, I really learned quickly that there is a certain level of education that has to happen first before you can even jump out the window and say, hey, come to this amazing concert. You have to explain, you know, um, the legalities of it as well as um, even, on, even on some levels with those who are very familiar in the industry, what we can do and what we can't do. So if I'm marketing a concert, like especially especially at Red Rocks or at Cervantes or anywhere where people see a lot of shows and there is this sort of cannabis component to it, there are still laws and there are still things that we have to sort of follow in order for things to be successful on a marketing level. And that has changed and will continue to change and develop, I think, as legalization takes hold in other places. But I immediately learned that you have to make sure that you're speaking the right language so that people understand your messaging and your mission, as well as meeting sort of that overall society you know, the needs that we have in order to really talk about this plant the way that we can. Absolutely. And it also seems that, you know, we can talk about our experiences and get really excited about them, but we can't necessarily use them as claims in marketing, right? So like the health claims aspect is a big, a big part where we could say, oh, it did all these amazing things for me, but that's not necessarily the marketing message you can put out there um, in order to be compliant. So yeah, I hear you on that compliance is a, is a really big aspect in making sure that the language you're using is digestible for who you're talking to yes. and knowing your audience. Yeah. Nice. So what would be some advice that you would share with young cannabis marketers who are looking to develop um, their brand, both personally and professionally? Okay, so branding. In my opinion, and you know this, of course, because you're like the marketing maven, I always think to myself, Lisa has updated her LinkedIn and I should also update my LinkedIn because Lisa did that. I think I literally think to myself, like Lisa would update her LinkedIn right now. But anyway, so <laughs> you do have to have a personal brand, right? Yeah. Um, and, and you do have to have, if, if you're someone who doesn't understand the medical components of cannabis or you maybe don't think that it's important, then this is clearly not the space for you. So the first thing on a personal branding level is to be about it. So if you, you have to walk the walk, you have to talk the talk. That means even if you're not someone who actively consumes cannabis, understanding the plant so that you can speak about it in an informative way is so, so, so important if you're coming up in the industry. Um, I also think that for those who want to quote brand themselves, you have to sort of know what your strengths are, play to your strengths, know what people come to you for. If you're a voice in the community, then make sure that you're a voice that's always accurate and reliable and trustworthy. And that has to carry over in the cannabis space, particularly when you're building a cannabis brand because you can't just slap a bong on something and people are like 
oh, I'd buy that. Cannabis is so much more complex now. Um, and the way that people consume media and also creative media as consumers is so much more complex. So really understanding all aspects of how um, we consume news and media and marketing and developing that according to what your listeners and your audiences want to hear and see. And that is the success in building a brand, personal or otherwise. That makes sense. And any kind of pro tips or best practices on the professional side. And one of the things that comes up is I think early in the, in the industry, and I still hear this to some degree, people think, oh, why do you need to market cannabis, right? If you build it, they will come like weed sells itself. And they don't understand that, that maybe that was the case six years ago, but it's, it's not the case anymore today. Um, what can, what can cannabis brands really do to, to differentiate themselves and, you know, stand out from the, the crowd now that it has become a really crowded marketplace and certainly here in Colorado. Crowded. Yeah, that's a really great um, description for sure. And, and like you said, it's not the same as just being like, oh, people want to buy weed, so they'll come buy it. Um, now, consumers in general are caring about more things than just getting their tangible object, right? Now, um, consumers are buying with more uh, power, with, with community power in mind. They're buying with um, arts advocacy driven related, you know, connections in mind. Um, brands need to focus more on what their buyers care about. I know that recently, last year in particular, because of the sort of the, the most recent uprising in social justice, a lot of brands realized that they had to step out and take a stand and say what their thoughts were on these particular issues, because that's what their consumers were talking about, you know? Mm -hmm. So if your consumers are caring about, you know, the most important um, light bulbs that are making rounds in the community, well, then you need to make sure that you're also talking about that, or that you're at least knowledgeable about that. So brands have to tap into more than just um, the dollar amount, right? They have to tap into how um, does our value system align? Do I think that look looks cool and is it artistic and is it creative and do I love it? Is it something that I wanna put in my purse and carry along with me? Is it accessible? Accessibility has become a huge part of the conversation, um, not just in cannabis, but just in general. Is your product accessible to all audiences? Um, you know, are, do you, are you on the internet? Like there's some things that are so wide as far as like, is it creative? Is it cool? Is it fun? Is it great? And then there are some things that are like so nuts and bolts like do you describe your product and how it works in a way that I can understand um, are there real people that are using your product do you have a front-facing brand are there people who can um, step out in front and say that I'm proud to be affiliated with this you know the art of the cosine is almost like its own whole other conversation you know but it really becomes important when brands want to stand out yeah, and that's a great point about having that two-way conversation with your customers and understanding what's important to them. I think brands can sometimes get very product-heavy and product-reliant, where they're like, "Look at look at these colas, and we're able to get you know this many pounds per light, or um, we use proprietary extraction process," and that's all good and great and is ultimately the foundation of of your business but to really get the brand to the next level it is understanding who your cu customers are what they care about and creating that conversation with them so thank yeah. you for bringing that up right on awesome what are you most hopeful for in regards to the future of cannabis and you can answer that any way you want whether it's marketing or industry but where where are we headed what makes you excited where are we headed what makes me excited well 
I believe that the industry, like many industries, the cannabis industry is is heading towards um, more equity and more equality, which gives more access to for people to be a part of the industry on a very like we were talking about and a non-ancillary level and an ancillary level. So I'm I, I'm excited to see more like accountants um, working in the cannabis space. I'm excited for there to be a whole new crop of marketing and promotion students and business leaders who are jumping into this industry. I'm excited for um, social justice and revolutionary activists to find themselves further involved in the cannabis industry and being able to sort of bring that message of um, justice and hope, bring that to the industry as well and figuring out how to um, bring the, the medication the, I would say the medicinal properties of the plant to the movement. Like that's what I'm excited about because it's kind of outside the box. Like people, I'm excited for there to be, you know, people talking openly about how their use of cannabis um, has really helped them get through the pandemic, you know? Yeah. Like that's the stuff that I wanna hear and, I, and I'm really excited about. And I believe that um, as we're running, you know, down that hill towards, legalization, especially federal legalization, I think we're going to hear and see way more stories of new folks coming into the industry and then sort of the um, recommitment of those of us who've been in the industry for a while, really, you know, finding some new tricks and new ways to continue getting this messaging out and making it accessible for all. Totally. We had um, a panelist at a recent event say that she hoped the industry didn't lose its activist heart. And I, I love that because I think that was the core of it. But as it's gotten bigger and the numbers have gotten bigger and, you know, the green rush and the kind of financial opportunity that sometimes that can, that narrative isn't so front and center anymore. But I think it is what makes this space so exciting and fun and good and will can be the heartbeat of it moving forward if we continue to get it out there and put it out front. 100%. And I think that like <clears throat> one other thing kind of along those same lines is that people see they're like, oh, like they think that, you know, they see all this money and they think that the cannabis industry is just like brimming with, you know, billionaires, millionaires, which like, of course there is that, but there is, there's also the people, like you said, the activists and those who are like still fighting tooth and nail to have a place and to create more spaces for other people and for businesses to think outside the box and for, you know, major, major massive companies like I won't name names but a lot of the ones with the dollar power to really put their money where their mouth is and support agencies and organizations that really um, help to make others benefit from what's happening in the cannabis space so I really um, I believe that we are going to maintain that sort of activism because it's always going to be necessary there's always going to be something to like fight, you know, or to advocate yeah. for. Um, and I, I hope that what we're going to see is a lot more corporate social responsibility that helps to bring that to the surface. Absolutely. Absolutely. So along those lines, what is your favorite part of the cannabis industry? Um, you know, I'm a smoker, like I'm a consumer. I love to smoke herb and I love to um, meet with people who can just tell me all these really amazing scientific reasons why what I'm feeling is what I'm feeling. Yeah. And it's so cool when you talk to like, someone who's like, yeah, like this is because I, I was suffering from migraines, like all of sort of the end of 2019. And I was just like, what? 
what weed are you guys smoking to like get rid of? Cause I can't one more day deal with this. And it was so interesting to see how um, the science really comes together for the plant. And it's like, well, this is why this makes your head feel this way. Or this is why, you know, the pressure behind your eyes or your mood lifting or all of these things. I love the science of it. And, you know, I, um, you know, I'm a culturist, right? So I, I'm more likely to sit down with you and want to like smoke a spliff, chop it up, like you listen to your experience. And so it's so cool to hear a lot of scientists and cultivators and all of these people really discuss like, no, this whole entire time, it's all been about the medicine you yeah. know, it makes you feel a certain way. This is all medicine. And so um, I love when that paired experience is brought together with like the science of like, no, this is what an endocannabinoid means. This is what the entourage effect is. This is why you can use like, use it on your skin or you can like put a tincture in your tea. Like it's not, you know, I, I was going to say it's not rocket science, but I guess it actually is rocket science. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is it kind of is and I just um you know I love I love seeing that laid out off paper yeah and I I love with cannabis how the physical meshes with the mental and emotional how yes you're having these body effects and the cannabinoids are working with your system but it also opens different ways of thinking unlocks different ways to view um, experiences you've had in the past, whether it's positive or traumatic. Um, and it kind of can be that conduit to open up um, many different modes of healing and different um, aspects of how the plant just works with your body and works with your soul. And I think sometimes that is hard to put into language or scientifically, scientific words, but, you know, for me has been a really powerful um, experience that I love to just keep trying new things, keep learning about um, seeing new products, new innovations in the space and recognizing that it, it really is, you know, we're really at the tip of the iceberg here as far as what we know that this plant can do and the impact it's going to have on people moving forward. And, and it's really exciting, I think, to be in the marketing space and be able to have a role in communicating that. Mm -hmm. 100% and you're right with the tip of the iceberg because I I learn things about like how I consume cannabis all the time you know like I yeah. really um <clears throat> got more into like um topicals you know and so I because like I said I like to I, I like to smoke flour um but I've really been getting more into topicals and I think that that has just opened up a, a door for me as far as like how I realized again, like, okay, yeah, it can be absorbed in my skin. Like, of course, duh, you know? And it's just so cool to see how things are continuing to develop. And I think we're gonna just keep seeing that more and more um, as things progress. And there's so many different entry points. You can, I, it's funny cause I had this conversation with somebody yesterday where it, they were seeing topicals as almost oh, if it's too scary to try flour or you're new to the space, that that would be a good entry point. And then you can kind of build and, you know, maybe flour would be the next progression and concentrates after that. But that's not, that is one path, but it can also be what you just said, where you can say, I love pre-rolls. I've loved smoking joints. And now I'm trying tinctures and now I'm trying topicals. And now I'm finding these new dimensions kind of coming at it from the other way, which is breaking the stigma is to say, you know, there's either one right way to do this or um, a certain form is better than the other. Or if you're an advanced consumer, this is what that looks like. That's not necessarily true. It can be very different for everybody. And you can you can have different entry points and different ways in which you progress your, your use and your knowledge of it. 
Yeah, so true. I mean, I um, I was never necessarily like a big um, gummy person necessarily because I, I had some of that, even though I, I've been smoking and like all of that, whatever, but I still had some of that weird fear. Like once you eat it, you can't like uneat it, you know? So I'm like, <laughs> what if I go to the moon? Like, honestly, like what if I go to the freaking moon? Um, but I really had to work through just like the education of like, okay, this is how much it feels good for you to, to take. And I realized um, that consuming edibles was another way that I was able to like treat my menstrual cramps. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just like treats it in a different way than smoking flour does. And so I had to like, you know, break some of my own like fears and stigma and just realize like, again, it all comes back to the medicine. So in using it in a way that benefits and works with me rather than like against me um, or, or, you know, in a different way than I'm going really open the doors for me as well to unlock, like you said, some of that healing. Definitely. Yeah. I love, um, a micro dosing edibles as far as, you know, there's, we can talk about that term, but as far as just like the two and a half to five range is perfect. And it doesn't matter how much, you know, experience you have in the space. I like that kind of low subtle effect. Um, and that's just, again, one role cannabis can play in, in life. So that's really awesome. Um, okay. So what are some effective marketing strategies that you see brands utilizing in this space? Um, effective marketing strategies. Okay. So I see, and and I, these are effective, you know, I guess it could be up to people to decide like if that is their way of doing it. But, um, one way that I, there is sort of, um, this new like designer weed kick that a lot of people are on, um, which I think is just a really unique way of brand saying we have really good herb. And, yeah. and I I think it's cute that it's kind of being coined as this like, like designer because it does allow people to think like, oh, there's something exclusive happening. That's effective, you know? And I might be saying that in sort of a tongue in cheek way, but it is effective because it makes their brand stand out. So if you are coming up with an entirely new creative campaign for how you're presenting your cannabis brand, uh, people will really, really connect with that. Um, I also think that brands do very well to partner with um, other brands that might not be in the cannabis space, right? So yeah. you'll see like, uh, you know, a particular brand might pair with like a skincare line that's not a cannabis skincare line, or they might connect with um, our advocacy programs. One thing that I think is really interesting is that um, I've been hearing some sort of mutterings of brands that want to connect with like community agencies and they say like, okay, like a CBD brand, for example, um, they might say, oh, this product, you know, a portion of this product will go to whatever um, organization that they find. So connecting on that community level is really effective for folks. And also um, I think that whenever brands talk about breaking the stigma, it really opens the conversation. And that's because it provides a space for people who might have some questions, but they might not really want to ask, or they don't know that it's okay to ask. Um, And I think that when brands do open up that space, it allows for there to be more conversation, which brings people kind of into their fold more and makes you think like, oh, I would want to know about this dispensary or I would want to know about this strain or whatever it is. Um, So I think that anytime brands talk about breaking the stigma, it really creates a really, really strong engagement. Um, And I, I also think just on like a nuts and bolts level, like brands who are all over the internet and like in, in a real way, not just posting like, photos of like, you know, tie-dyed bros hitting the bong. No, 
no shade, okay? I love a tie-dye as much as anyone else, right? <laughs> but um, taking it one step further and really um, showcasing, you know, the, the pieces and the ways in which we use it and um, showcasing their consumers in really unique ways and in ways that matter and asking their opinion, that stuff is really effective. And it's really effective because we all want to know and see and believe that there are good people behind the products that we buy. And so anytime there's something that um, is very direct, I feel like it's, I've seen it be very effective with a lot of cannabis brands brands, brands like dispensaries, um, events, like those kinds of things, they all sort of use some of these same strategies to get their point across. And I just think that it's really effective and front facing. I like that. Yeah. And it's interesting, even the pairing with outside brands too. I think that they have a big role in destigmatizing by saying, hey, this isn't our, maybe our lane or our core competency, uh, for example, but we we're going to partner with this company and we're going to enter into this space and that normalizes it. Um, it definitely changes it. And last question I had was, do you have any examples of that as far as what you've seen from the music industry in cannabis? Um, examples of like a in industry brand and an outside industry brand uh, pairing together in that sort of community aspect you were discussing. Yes. Okay. So I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. Uh, I will I put you on the spot, so it's okay if I, not. Say, I will speak generally, right? So there is a brand um, that hopefully by the time um, everyone hears this, we will be allowed to talk about this a little more. But there is like a particular celebrity who has like, you know, a connection. Well, actually, I'm going to use one that's already developed. So that way I don't have to potentially mark myself. Um, all right. So <laughs> I think that Jay-Z, I think that Jay-Z, you know, and, and I always have to mention Jay-Z because um, and my activist constituency always requires that I, of course, mentioned that, you know, he's a capitalist, but what he does so well, and we might not like all of the methods, but what he does so well is he's also investing money in minority ownership, right? And he's using his platform in order to get the word out there about minority ownership, even though, because of course he is able to bypass all of the barriers to access that others might have, but he does have a community component and it does matter. Um, and another example of that would be Weed Maps and their Teal program. It's like together equals all, we'll have to look that up, but Teal is the name of their sort of social equity and access program. So people think of Weed Maps as this massive, massive company, but they also have this community component that provides so much resources for what they already do to, potential owners and operators and other people in the space um, and, and even consumers who want to learn more about equity and access, they do that so well. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Minority Cannabis Business Association because at MCBA we do um, create so many opportunities for folks to get into our, um, connect with us on a corporate level and on an educational level for individual members. So those are some examples that I think pair the idea of like big cannabis business also with that community development angle. That's, that's a great example. I did not know about the TEAL program. I got to check that out. Lushada, I think I botched the acronym. So we'll make sure that we, I say the right acronym, but it stands for like, you know, ac access and equity. And it, they do a bunch of really cool, amazing things. Candy Loving Angel, that's her real name um, from Weed Maps. It's her. <laughs> I know. And when you meet Candy, it is, it is, that is the name. She is a loving angel. Um, but that's her baby at Weed Maps. And she created that program and has really helped to bring a ton of resource and access. So yeah, it's really great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rue. How can, 
how can our listeners find you, connect with you? Any plugs you want to give before we go? Sure. You can connect with me. I'm on Instagram as the perfect Rue, R-O-U-X. Um, sometimes it's just photos of my nail polish and me drinking coffee, but you know what? It's still interesting. <laughs> um, and I would also, you can check out minoritycannabis.org if you want to learn more about MCBA and otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm on the internet like everyone else. So not too hard to find. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Truly my pleasure as always, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Party Like a Marketer. Check us out on Instagram at Party Like a Marketer, your one-stop shop for all things podcast related. And you can find all of the episodes on our website, thecannabismarketingassociation.com. Lastly, join us at the second annual Cannabis Marketing Summit this June. Tickets are on sale on our website. And you can connect with me, your host, on Instagram at Leebuff and on Twitter at Leebuff21.